Welcome back to Spill the Beans. In this episode, I'll be talking to Hannah Morton Hedges, who is an independent careers consultant and works for herself at Momentum Careers. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Donna. And what coffee are you drinking? I know you're not drinking coffee. I'm a total fraud, I'm afraid. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'm having a delicious hot chocolate. Thank you very much. All right, you're very welcome. (laughs) So I was looking back to when we met, and I thought we met through our children being in the lineup in the classroom, but you've just reminded me we met with our dogs first. Of course, this is the story of my life with most people. <laughs> you, this, you've met them through dogs? Yes, absolutely. So we must have met, because Buddy's now seven, would you believe? Yeah. Well, I suppose Daisy's. Yeah, 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 coming up seven. Yeah, for those who wonder, we're not talking about our children, we're talking about our dogs. Her <laughs> <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is crazy. So yeah, we would have met in the wick, the wick I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was, and then that realisation when we were waiting to to go into the Year 7 parents' evening, I recognised that person. We we knew you through our dogs. And how is Daisy, actually? She is great. Yeah, she's great. She's, um, yeah, chilling out a bit with age. Still likes to chase a jogger, still likes to chase a bike, (laughs) but generally speaking, yeah, really good. I think Buddy's got more barky as he's got older and a little bit more territorial. Yeah which drives us all a little bit mad in the house, (laughs) but we love him. So you are St Albans born. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your background and growing up. Yeah, so it's a funny thing really. I was was born uh, born in St Albans, as you said, in the city hospital when it had a maternity ward. Uh Um, And my parents, at the time my dad was a, a pub landlord, and so my first home was the farmer's boy on London Road. So, yeah, a little bit Upstairs, of presumably. Yeah, we lived in, so we were upstairs. Yeah. They're normally quite... I always think they're quite big, those apartments above pubs. Mm, no. It's fairly no. small. <laughs> I mean, we were only little. I think we yeah. had probably outgrown it before the decision to move away. Right. Uh, or were outgrowing it. Um... But yeah, it's kind of a nice little bit of nostalgia now. Every time we drive down London Road, I point up and say to the kids, oh, that was my bedroom window and that was our, you know, that was yeah. our living room. Oh, I um, love yeah. that. But then you moved away. Yeah. So where did you go to? So a complete change. Um, we went from St Albans to the Isle of Wight. Well, what led that decision yeah. then? It's it's a funny thing to think back on, really. But at the time, bearing in mind the, the time scales, this was late mm. 70s. Um, and there were brewing problems with terrorism across yes. the UK. And actually, when you live and own and work in a public space, you we used to get bomb threats. Mm. Bomb threats to the pub. That's and me scary. and my sister were small. And I think my parents just thought... Let's go somewhere safer for them. Mm. Um, and the Isle of Wight was was certainly safe. Yeah, <laughs> so you'd see like a suspicious bag or you'd, yeah. be, you'd be like looking for small little incendiary devices. Yeah, absolutely. That. It's quite scary, yeah, isn't well, it? Yeah, we did used to get phone calls through. As we well, saying there's been... Yeah. Oh, how awful. Yeah. Gosh, you forget. Totally just, forget. Totally forget. Yeah. You know, so much on the news about different types of terrorism yeah and constantly having to explain to the kids that actually this was our reality mm. for a while mm. yeah so what was it like on the isle in the in the isle of Wight? yeah the... so we um we moved to a pub so we got a transfer with um with oh, that yeah. was lucky. um moved to a lovely country pub 
Um, so suddenly had, you know, Farmer's Boy quite small, suddenly yeah. had a huge amount of space, great oh. big garden, tiny little primary school with about 40 pupils How in it. Sounds idyllic. It was gorgeous. It was so gorgeous. Um, and then we moved out of the pub trade, so we moved into a regular house um, and stayed there really until until I went off to uni. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, looking back, it was, it was absolutely delightful, but there definitely comes a point when you're a teenager where you think, yeah, I, I need to leave the Isle need of Wight. To get, yeah. I need to leave the Isle of Wight. Your parents so. still live there? No, no, they moved off uh, late 90s. Right. Um, yeah, it, we never, it was lovely, but we never felt we fitted in there no, that well. No, no. Um, this whole thing about, you know, we were mainlanders. Mm. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, we were from a very kind of, I guess, broad-minded, quite urban family. Yeah, yeah. My, my dad was a merchant seaman, so he travelled around the world from a very young age. My parents met when they worked for, for well, after they met, they worked for the airline, so did a lot of travelling. Mm. And suddenly you're somewhere like the Isle of Wight that's quite insular. Yeah. Um, Gosh, so, I can only imagine, to yeah. be honest. Attitudes would have been very that's different. That's it. That's that was the issue. There was a little bit of a clash of of attitudes, mm. us versus them. Yeah, no, I I can imagine. Um, but at least you had fresh air and sea oh, and all of those you know, wonderful things that we don't have here. When I look back at it, that is the overwhelming thing: was all the lovely positives and the freedoms of growing up in the countryside mm. and things like that. It was really really lovely. It's just there are limits when you get a bit older. They yeah, there's only so much to a place like that that you can see. You've seen it all, been yeah. there, been Ferries, to every pub. Berries to... in winter close, close mm. at 8 o'clock, so, yeah. you know. It comes it's with stuck. its difficulties. Definitely. So, Hannah, what led you to a career in HR? Were you always, or HR and what you're doing now were you always that way inclined did you always want to do it nope um like like most people I'm finding out now I think I pretty much fell into what I was doing did you um it was it was never a plan I knew I wanted to do something that involved you know working with people um and the HR thing and I worked mainly on recruitment side um of HR that was my specialism um, but before that, presumably, you went to uni. Yeah, went to uni. And studied. Studied politics. Right. Didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Knew I wanted to move down to London. Had a few friends from uni that I wanted to move in with. Um, and, and just searched the job market for, for really entry-level jobs. You yeah. Know? Growing up on the Isle of Wight, that's the other thing. You don't have access to lots of opportunities. No. So my CV was very much focused around... Yeah. The local cafe. Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cleaning um, holiday chalets and things like that. Um, so I really just um, went with an open mind. Um, I saved up some money before I, I moved to London. Uh, went with an open mind. Did the thing that was incredibly common at that time, which... A lot of people don't remember. Picked up all those free magazines at the tube station. Yeah. Miss London and yeah. Girl About Town. Yeah. And scoured those for temping jobs. And and eventually just kind of got my, my foot in the door. I worked for a business centre originally, kind of in an admin support role. 
a lot of the companies I was supporting happened to be recruitment firms. That's yeah. what kind of gave me, you know, you, you learn through your experiences. And of course you, you do. Doing. And that's what gave me this idea of, okay, maybe I can do something with recruitment. Met up with an old friend from school, from the Isle of Wight days, who was very happy working for an IT services firm and said, oh, we need a... A new, a new recruiter actually so just three internal clients. recruitment yeah internal recruitment so just a chance meeting with her yeah. um kind of solidified my my career in that area it's funny and yeah it is but mm. it's so common you know this is what I'm finding now through the work that I do most people don't plan their careers no a lot of people don't yeah. plan they just and it's 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 nice that way because you don't stress you just go oh, my first goodness. you first you start out going well i need to pay the rent well when we when we were younger yeah. you could afford to move out you exactly. could afford to get rent and then you thought well i need to get a job to pay the rent exactly <laughs> and it's different for kids these days there's so much more pressure on them oh, to to yeah. know what they want to do and to have a plan early um and that's not always a good thing um, but yeah, for me, it, it worked out well. I spent only a few years in recruitment before finding that it's actually a very um, unstable career. The minute mm. the market changes and you're not recruiting anymore, no. you're the first people to be made redundant. That's very true. Um, so it was, it was through those experiences that made me rethink my own values and what I wanted from an next role. And that's when careers guidance came into it, basically. So, and then you re-studied, isn't that right? Yeah. You went back and... I did. So I went back um, as a full-time postgraduate student to do a qualification called the PGDIP Guidance, so Postgraduate Diploma in Guidance, along with the QCG, which is the the professional body qualification for careers. So that took a year of full-time study. I always say to people, um, it's kind of the equivalent to a PGCE for teaching. Yes. So it's that postgraduate year, it's a mix of theory and practical. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I was qualified. That was back in, oh, early 2000s, 2001. And did you work for another company then or did you go straight in on your own? No, I went to a uh, further education college in London, central London. I'd actually been temping for them throughout my studies Mm. they took me on just as a local college took me on in their hr department uh one day a week so i got known to them that way then when my course was coming to an end i inquired whether they had any careers positions Mm. and And the rest is history yeah so what do you actually do who can you help okay so i can pretty much help anyone who needs it Um, I think we have this idea that career guidance is for young people Mm. um, and I will always argue to an extent careers guidance is wasted on the young because we don't know enough Mm. at that point as to what we want to do and this whole thing about trying to shoehorn people into early decisions. Certainly there's there's things we can do to help um, with that age group. Um, But in terms of who I can help and who my client base is, uh, my youngest client has been an 11-year-old. How um, can an 11-year-old know yeah, need so careers guidance? I was approached by a, a parent whose child was uh, very sporty um, and wanted to go to Millfield School, right. had an opportunity for a, a place boarding there and needed some interview coaching. Right, so I see. 
I worked with him on that. He got the place, happy oh, to say. Amazing. My oldest client, I think, has been 66. So this was a retired gentleman who had a um, very successful career in state agency and property. And he wanted to know what to do with his retirement. And he wanted to start applying for trusteeships, but was finding the application process quite difficult because mm. it's... You know, if you think yeah. someone of that age yeah. probably aren't used to dealing with the, the yeah. kind of things that employers expect now. So we did some work on that. So literally 11 to 66 and <laughs> everything in between. Um, I think I started off probably thinking I would do a lot of work with returning mums purely because that I was, was my situation. That. That's what I was thinking. I would have thought that would have been your main area of business the yeah the amount of people would be from that demographic yeah maybe not i think or returning dads or... i think so um that was certainly what i thought it would be because that was my age i worked in the college for nine years and then when my son was about to start school i realized i can't keep commuting from st albans to south london mm. um i don't have the nice long 12 hour nursery days anymore yeah. i need to, to fit around school hours so that's when I, I started working independently um and i did think at the time it would probably be majority uh, women returners um, yeah. that was my networks at the time that's where i could see the issues of you know what do i do and certainly i do work with a lot of people in that area but i think it says a lot for not trying to anticipate too much who mm. your clients are going to be. Mm. There's um, no, no, no real news. No. So what's the difference? So you get career guidance and you get career coaching. Yeah, yeah. Are you do do you do end? I mean, they they must get blurred. The lines yeah, must cross. And, and you know, careers advice, careers consultancy, careers coaching, careers guidance. Uh, it's all a bit of a mishmash, and a lot yeah. of it is what you want to call yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, Coaches tend to work uh, more longer term with people who are perhaps trying to achieve success. They want to know how they can gain promotions and things right. like that. So it can be a longer term process. Um, careers guidance, perhaps we associate more with, um, you know, shorter, shorter term advice. But it all crosses over. You know, I have some clients that I see once and I have some clients that I, you know, continue seeing over a number of years. So... Mm. it just must make your life more interesting because in one minute you're seeing a college graduate yep. and the next minute you're seeing someone who's older I find yeah. that would be more interesting for you and they've got different challenges haven't so they so much so much so and you do interview preparation yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing so the whole premise of careers guidance is, is client-led so right. we don't have a blueprint for a session yeah um I, gave, I gather some information about the client before what I they meet want. with them. Yeah. I identify their priorities through that and we build the session around their priorities. Mm. So it, it might be a, a straightforward question of it being a young, people, a young person wanting help with uh, university decisions. It might be a career change or thinking through options or it might be the more practical stuff like interview support, mm. job search strategies... I love that approach, though, because if yeah. I came to you and said, all right, I want a complete change of career, if you started giving me pieces of paper to fill in 
and started to go, right, what are your goals? What now? I mean, I understand you have to kind of talk about your goals, but if it was all very formulaic, yeah. it would turn me off. Yeah. But I like the way that you can, okay, what kind of person are you? And what would you like to get out exactly. of this? And that really appeals. Not that I actually do want to change my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such an important part of the, uh, of the industry, really. You... You learn never to, to judge people. You learn never to have expectations. Mm. You, you can start a consultation thinking it's going to go in one direction, but it goes in a, a totally different direction. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine. It's fine, that's isn't fine. it? That's fine, yeah. I like that. I kind of prefer that approach. So um, if, if, for instance, I find that gap of parent returning to work interesting... Because I remember when my children were little, mm. that's the most vulnerable I felt about yeah. going back to work. And it was that vulnerable feeling of, I've, I've, I've left the industry, yeah. I've had children, I don't know if my skills are up to date. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone like that, look, yeah. looking to move on? Yeah, um, I think with most consultations, actually regardless of, of their situation, it can be really helpful to take a step back before you take a step forward. Mm. So it's quite typical to spend some time at the beginning of a session with a client trying to understand their values. Mm. So they're key drivers for a job. Everyone wants different things out of jobs. You know, some people are more money motivated than others. Some yeah. people want to be an expert in a field. Other people, you know, need to have a certain amount of respect and status attached to their jobs. And these things on an individual level are very, very important to people. Um, but it is always on a very individual level. But what can you do when they've lost confidence? Yeah. Because they've... You know, and that's where coaching maybe yeah. is a di- maybe different to what you do. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. they, what someone like that would need because it's very common. Yeah, totally. And I and I think a lot of it is um, an empathetic approach. Sure. A lot of talking through about um, how it isn't an unusual situation. Yes. You know, a huge, not on your own. Not on your own. A huge amount of what makes someone good at doing what I do is that is their ability to kind of build that rapport at the beginning and build a sense of trust mm. uh, the confidence thing is just really tricky mm. um, and I think it's something that only only when you're a returning mum or a returning parent can you truly understand when you've given up so much of your time mm. for something else and you've left something behind um, that confidence can be really tricky so it can be really useful if people do have time to get involved in volunteering, for example. I've seen so many people over the years who've gained so much confidence just through volunteering and feeling a sense of worth again Mm. um, and feeling that they're doing something for someone that isn't... And realising their skills are transferable, everything that they... Even the things they were doing with their children probably transferable. And that's it, that's it. And as well as kind of talking through values, the the other kind of key thing that I would do with a client at the beginning is spend a lot of time talking about their skill set and trying to coax out this idea of transferable skills. They're everywhere, but the problem with transferable skills is that when we're using them all the time, we start failing to recognize them as skills they're just something we do we do um that's great that's a good yeah. approach so you're kind of eking out well actually yeah. this was what you do on a daily basis but it's really useful yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and i think the benefit um of being able to do that ties in quite nicely mm. with how 
um, recruitment is done within a lot of companies mm -hmm. because the stance that most companies take these days is very skills based. Yes. Particularly within the public sector. And I do always say to clients, public sector, if you're a returning parent and you're looking to do something different, public sector can be an easier place to start okay. because their recruitment processes are much more aligned to transferable skills. Yes. So it tends to be less about, have you done this before? What did you achieve in it? What can you show on your CV in terms mm -hmm. of the value you've added to that organisation? It tends to be much more about, okay, tell me about a time you've... you've proven to be a problem solver. Mm. Tell me about a time when you've needed to think analytically around something, or yeah. you've needed to communicate a tricky message. So, yeah, in, in a lot so of cases... So they can pull on some of, draw on some of their experience. Definitely. A lot of companies, maybe not in the public sector, more private sector, use psychometric testing yeah. as part of their interview, interview process, don't yeah, they? they? Do you think that's a... Is that not one of those things that... It depends on the day. Yes, it does. <laughs> it really does. And I've got my own story here. Um, when I was um, following one of my redundancies when I worked in recruitment, I got to final stages with an investment bank in their recruitment team. Looking back now, glad, glad it pans out how it did. Um, and I've gone through a number of interviews and everything had been um, brilliant. And I've met with the team and then I had this final sit down meeting with them. And I'd done psychometric tests at the start of the day and they basically said, we don't think this is right for you oh. because this is showing that you're analytical as well as, you know, we were expecting someone who was going to be wholly people focused. Mm -hmm. And that's not me. And I think that's why I like having my business now is I get to do the analytical stuff and I get to do the people stuff. Mm. But it's a nonsense that these two things can't coexist. Yeah. It's a, so it's a failing of the It definitely the is. Do you know, I went, when I got back from my travels overseas, um, I went for a job in a very well-known supermarket come clothes, come everything yeah. brand. Yeah. And I had had a lot of retail management experience yeah. when I went for this job. But I went for a job. I had small children. So I just wanted part-time, I don't know, cashier or anything. They mm. gave me a test where I had to um, analyse something, uh, work out a solution, and I missed something. Yeah. Tiny bit. Yeah. They didn't look at any of my previous experience. Yeah. They just missed that. I missed that one little bit. And they went, uh, at the very end of the interview, they went, well, because you've done really well, but because you've missed that, you failed. They said, you failed. You must never say that. You failed. Oh. And uh, we won't be able to take you on. And I thought, hold on, not only am I overqualified yeah. for this position, yeah. I'm actually probably perfect for yeah. it. It was, yeah. it. it was a failing on their part, I definitely, feel. Definitely, I mean, there's definitely failings. There are lots of kind of psychometric tools out there that are very valuable, and there's lots of, you know, lots of companies now use aptitude testing specifically. Yeah, but so, as a guide. Yeah. You don't have to have it as this, your... This yeah. is it. It should always be taken in a wider context, yeah. never as a you know, yes or no yeah. situation. Mm. Terrible. Well, we've all got a story, haven't we? I we suppose. have. So how's your business changed in the 10 years that you've been now working for yourself and Momentum? Um, okay, so I think with any business, there is always a need to innovate mm. um, and to realise that people... 
um, start working in different ways, want to take information in different ways. Um, I still offer the same services I did at the beginning, yeah. which is uh, largely one-to-one services. I do freelance work as well, so I do a lot of work for the University of London, oh. and my biggest client there, which is lovely because it kind of keeps me really embedded with current graduates and undergraduates and, and what they're doing. Um, but in terms of the business changing, I guess a few things that have happened more recently. And some of this, of course, has been led by the, the pandemic and what that's done to us all in terms of mm. getting more tech savvy. Uh, I started a few years ago doing workshops um, specifically aimed at young people, so via Zoom, remote okay. workshops. So they are all aimed at the, the kind of the 16 to 18 age group, considering university, writing personal statements, making choices about do I want to go to university or not. Um, I imagine there's a, quite a demand for that. Yeah, I think there's definitely a need for it. A need for definitely it. Definitely a need. Yeah. Um, because what tends to happen at schools is that students are very busy. And they're busy in year 12, working towards their summer exams. And then all of a sudden, boom, teachers say, right, now you need to apply to university. Yeah. And kids are like, well, hang on a minute. I've not had any lead into this. What am I supposed to be doing? And there's so many myths around about what courses lead to this and what are the best degrees to do and what about degree apprenticeships and blah, blah, blah. Um, So there's definitely some schools manage it better than others, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is definitely a a need it's for a gray, more. It's yeah. such a grey area. As a parent, Scary. looking at choices for my children, if they didn't want to go to sixth form for whatever reason, which which is fine because you don't even have to think. All you have to do is pass your GCSEs. Yeah. Then it's like, what's out there? And Absolutely. people say apprentice. Well, your apprenticeship. Well, actually, they're hard to find. Yeah. I don't know. It. It's it's yeah. a good thing that you're doing. What's it called, that workshop? Um, or does it not I have do, a name? I do about four different workshops, oh, okay. um, all via Zoom. So yeah. they're, they're all on my website, um, but they're all targeted at that particular age yeah, group. That's great. Um, to, you know, to kind of scoop up the kids that haven't had as much support as they need, either from the school because the school isn't giving them much provision or perhaps they're from families where the parents didn't go to university and that can be really terrifying for for the parents because they don't um, know they the don't process know. they don't know and they feel guilty that yeah. they can't guide yeah uh they can't guide their kids so yeah so that's something that's that's been quite exciting over the last um over the last couple of years yeah sure yeah oh i love that <laughs> So, what do you like about living in the St Albans area? I know you've moved slightly out, but not very far, 10, 15 minutes out of St Albans. Yeah, yeah. So, I think we did the the classic thing of moving here from London when the family was due, (laughs) um, along with everyone else. Uh, Great schools, lots of green spaces. Um, And, you know, St Albans is just so well-placed for all of those things and for for being that age and wanting to to meet other new mums and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I guess as the kids grow older, thinking back to my my childhood on the Isle of Wight, they've certainly got more um, opportunities on their door than I had. So you have this lovely... um, Mm. 
location where you know particularly where we are now just outside of St Albans we can feel like we're in the middle of nowhere in the country mm. but we can still jump on a train and, and be in London or we can be in St Albans in 15 minutes yeah so it feels like the, the perfect so mix. you like the the opportunities that being in this area Definitely. gives and Definitely. I totally I, I agree with that and my husband and I went to uh, King's Cross and had a good old mooch around Cold Drops Yard and Granary yeah. Square. It was twenty minutes. So accessible. <laughs> so accessible. It, it was twenty minutes. Yeah. Are, if you get the fast train. Yeah. If you get the fast train, you're very lucky. So, what about dislikes about the area? Um. Well, I think prices. Oh. <laughs> Price, <gasps> price of property. Oh, they got mad since um, we bought our houses yeah, here. Yeah, I know. Like I know. Ten years ago, we got. We we did quite lucky with the move out because the move out to St Albans came during lockdown and just after we moved was when a lot of the prices went up on more yes, rural properties because everyone was doing the same because yeah. we didn't need to be in London for work and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, the, the price really. I mean, I, I noticed the busyness now, and certainly in the 16 and a half ish years, 17 years since we moved to St Albans, it does feel a lot busier now yeah. than it used to be. It's the traffic. Yeah. You can't get, I mean, I say this in other podcasts, you just can't, can't seem to get from A to B quickly no, unless it's school holidays and everyone's gone away. Yeah, but then I guess this is, you know, part of this is due to the charm of it being a Roman city and mm. roads not built around a modern city. Yes. So you've got to take the rough with the smooth. Take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. Um, so, Hannah, would you rather... Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> would you rather never sing or never dance again? <gasps> I think... I think I would rather, I would rather never dance um, just because I love a sing song and I find it very therapeutic. Oh, I wish, I love a sing song but I can't sing so it would have yeah. to be the other way around yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing I kind of figure, well I can, I can find other ways of... Yes, you can exercise. Exercising <laughs> and things like that but yeah, singing, I, I find it really hard if there's something on the radio... I find it really hard to keep my mouth closed, oh, basically. So you couldn't do without that. <laughs> no. I mean, happily, that will probably never happen. Exactly. So let's not get too exactly. stressed about it. Um, and on the final note, it has been a lovely time chatting to you. What is your favourite ice cream? Oh, my goodness. I don't actually know. Do you like I, ice cream? I do, do you... like ice cream, but I kind of like... I don't eat much of it until we're on holiday. Mm. And then I just like... Um, whatever I'm feeling like at the time. So I don't think I have a favourite. You don't have a favourite. But I, I tell you what I do love. I love a coconut ice cream. Oh. I love a coconut ice cream. Yeah, especially if you're on holiday with a yeah. pina colada next Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, or I like something like a butterscotch or a honeycomb or a kinder. Oh, suddenly they're all flat. <laughs> Chocolate chip, you know. Suddenly they're favorites. all flowing in. Rum and raisin. Yeah. <laughs> You just I'm like all ice over cream, it. yeah. Oh. But no, I do like to to kind of see how I'm feeling. Go with the flow. Go with the flow with the ice cream. cream. Yeah. Depending on how you feel when you're on holiday. Exactly. Well, it's been really nice talking to you and catching up because we don't get to see each other I know, very often. I know. All the best with the rest of your business. Thank you, Donna. Lots of love. Bye. Bye.